Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Oh, command me, Lord. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us. All that once was good, and it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. It is the 30-something movie podcast, and you are back with us once again. Uh, Thank you for joining us. If you have been here before, welcome back. If you have not been here before, very quickly, here's what we are. Uh, We are a podcast that looks back uh, 30 years from this year. And so kind of the premise of our show is we take whatever year we're in, we jump back 30 years, and we look at movies that came out that year. So for right now, we are in 1989. Last year, we were in uh, 1988, and then so on and so forth, back to, I think it was 84, 85 when we first started. So we've been doing this for a little while now. But uh, if you're just joining us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Feel free to interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those different places, and our website. Um, And then you can go back and check the other 223 episodes we've had up to this point. So there is plenty to listen to. Uh, If you are looking for podcasts to listen to, if you're going for a long trip somewhere, our podcast could probably take you there and back and there again and back again and we have a lot of episodes is my way of saying we have a lot of episodes. So, so feel free to check those out and then let us know what you enjoy about those. Uh, we are a spoiler podcast. So whatever movies we start to mention, even if we are not, even if, you know, it's not licensed to kill cause that's our movie this time around. Even if we start to talk about another movie, we may say something that's a little spoilery for that movie too. So just be aware of that. I would think in this case, a specific warning about anything in the James Bond, you know, umbrella. That would be true as well. Yep, yep. So just be forewarned that we may, you know, may spoil James Bond stuff. So if you haven't seen some of the more recent movies or any of the other uh, movies in the past, just be aware of that and and uh, just know that it might be there. So if you have not left us a review on iTunes, we would really appreciate that. Uh, just kind of helps us to know how everybody feels the show is going. If you've got feedback for us, we'd either love to hear it on Twitter in an email. You could leave it on the voicemail line if you want to. That's on our website iTunes review uh, also helps us to get found by other people, moves us up in the iTunes rankings and whatnot. Uh, So that would be very appreciated. If you are enjoying the show and you want to leave us a little shout out there, uh, that would be awesome. And then finally visit our website, 30podcast.com. As I said before, that's a place where you can find all of our old episodes. Uh, You can search by month or year. You can uh, call our voicemail line. You can interact with us in a couple of different ways in our different social media platforms. Uh, and then I think I've also got a link up there. And if I don't, I'm putting one up pretty soon to our letterboxed page. That's another website or app that I've been using a lot lately to, uh, kind of keep track of our ratings of movies that we've done and, uh, kind of a running list of all the movies we've covered up to this point with links to each of the episodes for that. And, uh, I just, I really like that website anyway, so I will give them free advertising, uh, for the time being, because I, I really enjoy using their site. So, uh, letterboxd.com. If you have not found that one before, that's a great site for movies. 
So I have with me tonight uh, Mr. Pat Canagallo and Mr. Bo Warmbold. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing, Jen? Well, and yourself? I'm doing excellent. Doing excellent. Um, we are coming off of... We had a, a mammoth of a show. We spent quite a while talking about uh, Lethal Weapon 2 last time, so that was a lot of fun. Had Jeff with us that time, um, and uh, that's just a fun movie series in general. Um, and I kind of feel like this was a collection of fun movie series. We had Lethal Weapon, and now we got James Bond. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I will, you know, I, I don't think this is a big secret that we've covered. We didn't, we've done one, let's see, no, we've done two uh, 80s James Bond movies up to this point on the show. We've done A View to a Kill. We've done Living Daylights. Um, and then I think we also, we did a podcast on Spectre when it came out. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I missed that one, but I do remember you guys did it. We did, yeah, because that turned into the Monica Bellucci show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, see, and, and Pat doesn't even have words. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 is it, Pat? She makes your uh, heart go pitter patter. She makes my little heart go pitter patter. There you go. There you go. All right. So so if you haven't figured it out already, we're talking about License to Kill tonight, um, and uh, we've got. I, I don't really have a whole lot of new movie news or anything like that uh, to share with anybody uh, for this one. We had a whole bunch of trailers that came out before we recorded our last one, so that we spent a little bit of time talking about those. I'm sure something's going to come out after we're done recording for this one, but if that's the case, we'll share it on Twitter and, and do that stuff. But um, I will say one funny thing kind of happens, uh, you know, in, in recent history, just in the last uh, maybe day or two before recording this. There, a little teeny tiny Twitter feud started between a couple of different movie podcast accounts. <laughs> and uh, one of them was uh, 80s All Over. And I've listened to their show, and they, they, those guys have a great show. They pretty much do what we do. They talk about 80s movies. Um, and then there's another one called is it Cinema Sins, I think. And they go through and they kind of talk about all the sins that a movie commits and, and kind of like what the movies do wrong. And, um, you know, I've, I've listened to them a little bit here and there. And it's, you know, they, they, have, a dec- they have a good show, but it's just not the not the kind of conversation that I want to have about movies. So I don't listen to their show quite as much, but you know, to each their own, that's their, that's their flavor. That's their style. Um, but what I thought was kind of funny was somebody uh, sent me a message and said, um, you should check this out. Cause I think your show is even older than theirs. They were having a little bit of an argument because the eighties all over show, I guess started in 2016 and this, uh, cinema sins had announced that they're doing a new podcast and it's called, I forget what it's called, but it has the 30 in the title. And they're like, we're going to be looking each weekend at a movie that came out 30 years ago and talking about, you know, the cinema sins with this movie. And, and so I guess what the one uh, Twitter account did, the 80s all over, tweeted and said, get your own ideas. Like, you're copying off of us. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm sitting back here going, well, you know, I mean, to be honest, the Internet's a big place and... Who cares, really? Right. I said, but if we want to get technical guys, so you guys are arguing over who did it first in 2016. Now, I know we don't have a huge audience, but we kind of started in 2015. So I'm, I'm not saying anything, but... Mm-hmm. Did you throw down like that? or did you... No, I, I didn't really throw down. All I said was, if you want to get technical, we started in 2015, but then I followed that up with, here's my take on it. The internet's a big place. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that says you can't listen to both shows. So really, who cares? Yeah. Right. 
nobody's telling you you can only pick one of these shows. So yeah, my response is basically, let's all come together. Let's. Why can't we just all get along? Yeah, that's kind of my take on things. Speaking of let's all get along, shall we talk about a movie in which a whole bunch of people die really horrible deaths? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this week in 89, so we do this real quick just to kind of give some context to, you know, where we are in 1989, but looking back to January 30th to about February 5th, 1989. So this week, 30 years ago, uh, not a whole lot was going on this week, uh, at least that I could find. Um, I did find that on February 3rd, the actor, director, and author John Cassavetes died. Um, that was the only kind of event that I could find for for this particular week in 1989. Otherwise, the top book, for the first time in a while, it's not The Sands of Time by Sidney Sheldon. Uh, it is Midnight by Dean Koontz. Um, the oh. top movie is not Rain Man anymore. I don't know if I knew Dean Koontz was writing all the way back then, to be honest. Uh, top movie was Three Fugitives. And the top song was When I'm With You by Sheriff. I will admit I have neither read nor seen nor heard any of those. But if you have, good for you. Title of this one is License to Kill. Release date was the 14th of July, 1989. Rated PG-13 with a runtime of 2 hours and 13 minutes. Uh, directed by John Glenn, not the astronaut, um, but did a bunch of the Bond movies. For example, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, The Living Daylights. Um, producers on this one were Albert R. Bricoli, who died in 1996. Um, he did the Bond movies up to Goldeneye, uh, and he also produced Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And then Michael G. Wilson, uh, he did the Bond movies since Moonraker. Uh, he was a producer for this one as well. Writers for this one were Michael G. Wilson and Richard Maybaum, uh, who died in 1991. Wilson wrote the Bond movies uh, for your eyes only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, and The Living Daylights. Uh, Maybaum, or Maybaum, however you say his last name, um, did the Bond movies from Dr. No to... Uh, License to Kill, and then did James Bond Jr., which I think was the cartoon. Didn't they have a cartoon series, James Bond Jr.? Sounds right. Hey. Uh, and also wrote the Mel Gibson movie Ransom. Cinematography was done by Alec Mills, who also did Return of the Jedi and The Living Daylights. Music was done by Michael Common, uh, who, did, who died in 2003 and did the X-Men movie and then the Lethal Weapon movies. Budget for this one is $32 million. Box office is $156.1 million. And I did not get the... Um, usually we use the website Flick Metrics for our kind of different scores on here. And I think their website's been having some problems lately because when I went to go look up the um, scores for a few different movies, they're not showing all the different uh, ratings that they usually use to kind of create their average. So there might be something going on with them for right now. Right now, the only thing they're showing is from Rotten Tomatoes, and that is a 65% for License to Kill. So not a highly ranked movie necessarily. I'm getting, I'm on Flickmetrics now. Um, I was working on something. It's got an average of 65 with the critic and the audience still. I don't think that's changed. That's interesting. Yeah, and, it, and I looked up a whole bunch of different movies just to test it out, and I actually tried to contact them, too, this week, because we use Flickmetrics quite a bit, and I, I said, we really love your website, and we use it all the time for our podcast, and I'm noticing something's up, so is this, is there a problem? Did those other websites change, like, their API or whatever they use for sharing information like that? Or well, That's kind of what it looks like, yet, yeah. So... Because it was almost every movie I searched was the same thing. Even movies we've used in the past, I, I couldn't find more than just the, 
I was gonna say I did a I did a list search because I was thinking about something, and they are all only showing a critic average and an audience average. So yeah, so I don't know if something changed or what, but hopefully I hear back from them because I really I've enjoyed using their website, and I like to be able to get all those things all in one place. So mm -hmm. uh, so Flickmetrics, if you're listening. Uh, whoever's in charge of that. We really enjoy your website, and whatever's going on, we hope it's resolved soon, because we still enjoy your website. Um, starring in this one, Timothy Dalton as James Bond. He was in Flash Gordon and The Rocketeer. The Rocka who? Do you not read the papers? Uh, paper? What, what is this you speak of? Papers? Papers? No ticket. No, no ticket. ticket. Papers. Egyptian Mail. Morning edition. Run! Uh, Carrie Lowell played Pam Bouvier. She was in Sleepless in Seattle and Law and Order. Robert Davi played Franz Sanchez. He was in Die Hard and The Goonies. Talisa Soto played Lupe Lamora. She was in Don Juan DeMarco and Mortal Kombat. Anthony Zerbe played Milton Crest. He was in The Omega Man and The Matrix Reloaded. Frank McRae played Sharky. He was in Batteries Not Included and The Wizard. David Hedison played Felix Leiter. He was in Live and Let Die, Fantasy Island, and The Love Boat. Wayne Newton played Professor Joe Butcher. He was in Vegas, Vegas Vacation and Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens. Benicio Del Toro played Dario. He was in The Usual Suspects and Traffic. And Priscilla Barnes played Della Churchill Leiter. She was in Three's Company and Mallrats. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a second. I want you to know this is nothing personal. It's purely business. Killing me won't stop anything, Sanchez. See you in hell! <laughs> this private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. You're going after Sanchez, aren't you? Are you crazy? Make a sound, and you're dead. No! Your license to kill is revoked. Effective immediately. In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. Problem solved. I'm more of a problem eliminator. Commander. He's got to be stopped. Okay, so I will start by saying that this pretty much every James Bond movie, we always saw those either right away when they came out on video or in the theater as soon as they were put out because my dad loved James Bond movies. Um, I had, I had, I had, I have an uncle who absolutely loves James Bond movies. In fact, he, he would, if he, I mean, he, had a decent amount of money so he would get um nicer cars 
but it was always one of his dreams to always get like an Aston Martin or something uh. like that. And he just, he loved James Bond movies. That was his, his big thing. And my dad loved him as well. So we were constantly, as soon as I was old enough to go to the theater and see the movies, I feel like we might've seen the living daylights might've been the first James Bond movie I saw in the theater. Um, I don't recall, but I'm pretty certain that we saw this one in the theater. And then from then on, it was, you know, every James Bond movie that came out, uh, we saw in the theaters. Now I know he didn't, he didn't like Pierce Brosnan quite as much. Um, he was very much more a Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton fan. And then I think, I think we went to go see the first Pierce Brosnan and he wasn't quite as much a fan of it, but up to this point, you know, I remember watching these regularly at home like we'd go through and we'd watch especially the roger moore movies i think that probably was his favorite bond um but i think i remember seeing this one in the theater so that would have been my first exposure to license to kill what about you guys did either of you see this one in the theater or was it a, a later viewing definitely a later viewing for me um i probably saw this right around the time the pierce brosnan ones would have come out i think my, no one in my family was a big James Bond fan. My stepmother is. She had the whole set on VHS. So I had seen the Roger Moores, some of the Roger Moores and some of the Sean Connerys, but she had them all. I probably hadn't seen these two until she came around. And the Timothy Dalton ones are still not high on my list of favorites to this day. Yeah, you know what? Um, kind of the thing I, I grew up, my grandmother was a huge uh, Bond fan. My grandpa enjoyed it, so my dad, you know, liked Bond. But it was always the Sean Connery Bonds. Uh, those were the ones that I'd see with them because that was their favorite ones. Um, and then, you know, a, a, a smattering of the Roger Moore uh, ones that, you know, would inevitably be on one of the TV channels every week. There was a different Bond one on or, you know, ever so often. Um, and then there's kind of a gap because, you know, I know... The um, Timothy Dalton ones came out. I think I saw Living Daylights at a sleepover or part of it or something like that. But uh, License to Kill, this kind of fell in the in the void. Like, I didn't see it much. I, you know, if I was home with my family, it would either be uh, um, Connery or, or um, Roger Moore. And then I think it was when I got to college and, you know, then they do those wonderful 12 days of bond during Christmas. You know, one of the channels would do that. Did you guys ever catch those? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was, that was regular viewing. Oh yeah. So, you know, the 12 days of bond and then it would be like, okay, which ones that have I not seen? And there's a lot of guys at school that were like huge bond fans. So it was easy to kind of, uh, you know, feed the, feed the habit of watching James Bond. So I think I finally saw, uh, licensed or uh, yeah licensed to kill um sometime in college and maybe it was bits and pieces and i finally saw the whole thing uh when i got out of college but at some point when i just started you know when bond became uh, frequent viewing um you know f you know regular watching then that's about when i saw it probably I, I think it was after like i said after high school i think it was in college yeah this one i mean i'm looking over i've got my uh, shelf of Blu-rays and DVDs, you know, just a few feet away from all my recording stuff over here. And I really did not own too many of the Bond movies up until the Daniel Craig ones. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, I only own, I want to say I only own Casino Royale 
and um, Skyfall. Skyfall, thank you. Yes, uh, and that's probably one of my favorite James Bond movies of all of them. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I actually have to check and see if I ever bought Spectre because I have the rest of them. I broke down and bought the Blu-ray box a couple years back. Okay, well, I I hit up. Um, we have a really good our, our public library in the town that I live in has this amazing book sale every year. Um, they they take over a gym at the uh, rec center. They do at that huge book sale. And I happened to come across, um, and I don't know if it was the half price day or like the everything you can fit in a bag for whatever price day. And I came across a whole bunch of the Sean Connery and I think almost all of the Roger Moore Bond movies were still left over. Huh. And I was like, mm, okay, I'm not passing that up. I've said this before. Roger Moore is probably my favorite Bond Um you know, alongside Daniel Craig, just because that's the one I grew up with and the one I probably watched the most. And so I, I realized I don't own any of the Roger Moore Bond movies. So that is, as Mel Gibson said in Braveheart, that is something we shall have to remedy. And mm-hmm. remedy that we did. So I'm looking at them right now. I have a nice little row of most of the Roger Moore James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah, this was this was definitely one. We We pretty much watched these as soon as they came out and... You know, if it was an older Bond movie, it was regularly watched. You know, our house sometimes I felt like was its own 12 days of Bond. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So one of the things about this movie, this is, you know, Timothy Dalton had two movies. He had uh, The Living Daylights, which we actually did on our show. Um, what was that? Probably a couple of years ago now. Um, I think that was a 1987 movie. So it would have been back in 2017 when we did that one. Um, so he had two movies. And... I'm trying to recall, I didn't go back and listen to our Living Daylights episode, but I'm trying to recall kind of what we talked about then. I remember kind of in the back of my mind that I really liked Timothy Dalton as a James Bond. Like there was something about him that he he still was, he had kind of the, the charm of Roger Moore, but he was a little bit tougher than Roger Moore. And obviously a little bit younger than Roger Moore, especially after uh, Roger Moore had done A View to a Kill. And I remember really liking Timothy Dalton and thinking, you know, I wish he had had more James Bond movies. And I think I've said this before, too, where I kind of think of Daniel Craig as being the route that Timothy Dalton's Bond would have gone had they given him more movies. I can see that. And I do love the Daniel Craig stuff. Something about these just never did it for me. I don't know if it's the time period or what yeah it kind of you know this this movie was and i don't know if i I think this one gets a bit of a bad rap and i think this kind of ended his time as james bond because i think a lot of people criticize this one for being a little too dark or being a little more violent than some of the other james bond movies and it seems funny to call a james bond movie too violent um Mm. but I think that was kind of the criticism of this movie and maybe the reason why they, one of the reasons why they didn't continue forward with Timothy Dalton. Um, but I will, you know, and, and we'll get into talking about that. But the one thing I wanted to say kind of right off the bat was I really enjoy Timothy Dalton Bond movies or so I thought. <laughs> I like, I, I really like Living Daylights. So really like that movie. And I was totally convinced that I also really like this movie. And then I watched it again for the first time in many, many, many years. It's a struggle. Yeah, it's trying to do so much, I feel like. And I'm not sure it knows what it really wants to be. 
Right. I mean, I was still, for the most part, when I go to watch a Bond movie, even if I know it's not the best Bond movie in the world, I'm still entertained. There were a few times here and there, I was still entertained by this movie, but there were still a few times here and there that I was like, I was almost like looking at my watch. Yeah. And I don't ever look at, I don't look at my watch when I'm watching a Bond movie. I'm engulfed in the whole thing. I'm I'm waiting for those like quippy one-liners. I'm waiting for somebody to get eaten by a shark, which does happen a few times in this movie. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to that classic James Bond stuff that I'm used to seeing from Connery and Roger Moore. Um, and it just watching this one this time around, I was actually it, it took me aback a little bit because I was surprised. I was like, yeah, old man, Living Daylight's License Kill. Timothy Dalton is one of my favorite James Bonds. And then as I'm watching this one, I'm like, Ugh, maybe not. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and it seems like so much of this movie should have added up to being awesome. You have Benicio del Toro as one of the goons. You have mm-hmm. Robert Davi, who Robert Davi is an amazing Bond villain in this. I think the only thing he needed was a more memorable and goofy name. Um, but, you know, Franz Sanchez, that, we're not going to remember that name because it's not... Dr. No, it's not Blofeld, it's not Jaws. Stavro it's not... Blofeld. This one kind of surprised me. Like I expected to really love this movie, and watching it again for the first time in many, many, many years, I did not love this movie. Doesn't mean I didn't like it, but I didn't love it. I think it suffered from some of the James Bond, like, all the knocks on James Bond movies, I think, unfortunately, all coalesced into this one film. <laughs> it's long. A lot of James Bond movies are long, but as you pointed out, most of the time you don't notice. Oh, you notice in this one. (laughs) Um, Another thing I've always noticed about James Bond movies is they end two to three times. There are two to three times in the last 45 minutes when the movie could have ended. But there's always something else that happens. This one, it does it, and you're like, oh God, there's more still. Um, I think the beginning struggles because of all the nonsense around um felix's wedding the guy's parachuting out like the intro before the opening sequence in a bond movie is often amusing but the guy's parachuting out in their tuxes i don't know yeah that was it was a little weird yeah it, it took a weird turn to the campy left and then tried to turn back into serious and i i don't know I don't know if they were sure what they wanted. I think maybe Living Daylight spooked everybody because it was a little darker than what they were looking for. And so they tried to lighten it up and failed. You get some you get some really campy stuff in the Roger Moore movies. Yeah. But But it worked. This yeah. Didn't. And and maybe that's what maybe that's what set the wrong tone for me was I had I had kind of forgotten about the first part of this movie. And Well, it's forgettable. And I think maybe that's what set the tone for me was I was like this is kind of awkward. And I don't, I mean, I, when I go into a James Bond movie, you know, you, you have that opening scene usually where it, you know, and it, it ends with, it doesn't start with the uh, looking down the gun barrel. It ends right. with that. And then you go into the theme song and, and all that. And I usually go into one of those. I'm like, oh man, it's the start of a James Bond movie. This is going to be awesome. And then it goes into the whole music and the, the gun barrel thing. And, uh, and, and this one just kind of left me with, so there's that. Yeah, they tried something here, and I, and to their credit, I think they realized it didn't work. And by the time Pierce Brosnan comes on the scene, they've reverted to the old, the old formula. 
I think that isn't this one of the longer breaks in between movies too. Yeah, I think from so. from License to Kill to uh, GoldenEye is one of the longer hiatuses. Yeah, because GoldenEye wasn't that like ninety? Wasn't GoldenEye like ninety six or ninety seven? I was gonna say four or five, but yeah, I mean, I'll look it up real quick. But right in that ballpark for sure. And that's a haul. I mean, they were churning these out every two to three years for a long time. Pat, what about you? I know you're a big James Bond fan, and I know that you you do like you know the Timothy Dalton movies, and you and I have kind of talked about this one before. What was your take on License to Kill? So, you know, I, I heard, um, I, and I, I, admit, blah, 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 blah. I am admittedly a pretty big fan of uh, Bond films, and I, I kind of like, you know, in any way, shape, or form, there's kind of a Bond for every occasion. You know, um, I actually went back and picked up the a couple of the um, Ian Fleming original books from the library. So I'm looking forward to getting into those and seeing kind of what that's all about. Um, well, I kind of know what it's all about, but you know, figuratively speaking, I'm looking forward to seeing what that's all about. I'm gonna, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna swim upstream and I'm gonna say I I enjoyed this film, and I started watching it. You know, because I think we'd spoken and you'd already watched it for the podcast and you said, wow, this did not hold up. This isn't even from my last recollection. This didn't hold up. And so when I put it on, I'm like, OK, I'm going to really watch this critically and I'm going to be ready to kind of pick things apart. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. You know, I, I think that the beginning, um, I, I hear what you're saying where, you know, the opening, it was kind of like, OK, what what are you doing with this? Um you know, it didn't seem to fit. And I kind of, I kind of found it to be a little bit more of like maybe pieces of other action movies that were floating around in the eighties. Um, you know, that they were trying to, to maybe go a different direction with. Um, but once it, once it took off and, and he, you know, once it took off and he started going, I kind of started to get the feel of this is this is Bond. Um, you know, there were the underwater sequences, the the um, I wanted to say depth charging, uh, scuba diving, and uh, you know the riding around on the little underwater submarine things that everyone hangs on to. Um, there was that. There was the sneaking around and you know breaking in and trying to you know without you know the stealth trying to surveil different bad guys and whatnot. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, yeah, some of the action scenes were a little campy. I mean, the truck doing the wheelie through the fire and stuff, that was a little bit much. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. But, and see, that was, the, that was the part of the movie, the part where the truck does the wheelie and misses the rocket launcher shooting at it. That was the part where I was like, you know what? As a kid, I remember that this was the moment that I was like, this is the greatest Bond movie ever. Well, and see, that's the thing for me. There was I watched that and it's not like CGI or what what would they have had before CGI green screen, I, it wasn't green screened. I mean at least the way it looked probably I would mean, have blue screen that, back then yeah or blue screen or whatever you call it. it it wasn't I mean they they rigged up a truck to do a wheelie and I'm like well I'm gonna give them points for that they actually you know yeah. did that stunt and I'll tell you the stuff with the um, now the airplane was probably blue screened you know when he was hanging out that. But the thing with the water skiing, you know, and I'm biased because I'm a water skier, but, you know, you get a barefoot scene in a, in a movie, I'm going to cheer for it. So I, I kind of dug that when he was getting yanked behind the plane and all of a sudden he was barefooting behind the plane. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, 
so I I enjoyed those uh, I enjoyed those sequences. Plenty of boat chases. Um, so, like I said, the the beginning seemed to be a, a a different kind of a pieces of like different '80s action movie esque kind of things. Uh, but once it once it fired up, I I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, and I I I don't. Hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. I don't dislike the movie. I just I really thought that I liked this movie movie a whole lot more than I did watching it this time. Mm. And I'm sure as a kid that I, I I I know for a fact as a kid I really enjoyed this movie just as I enjoyed every Bond movie. Um, but yeah, I just it, it fell a little flat for me watching it this time as an adult. Um, one thing I was going to ask you guys, and I've heard this criticism come up before too, and I, I think because we've seen it a lot in the in the more recent Bond movies. Um, what about the idea, because this is really kind of the first movie in which this happens, what about the idea of Bond going rogue? So where James Bond basically tells M or, or whoever it is that's in charge, um, you know, forget it, I'm fine, then I, I quit. Um, you know, to quote the movie that we talked about last week, his license to kill has just been revoked. And he goes off and, and does this anyway. Some people have criticized the more recent Bond movies of being like, okay, you know what? Now every movie in the last maybe like four or five or six Bond movies is Bond going rogue. Like, why? It's getting kind of old now. It's like, I, why does he always have to go rogue and not, and, and basically tell the double O program, forget it, I'm going to do my own thing. And this was really the first time we saw this happen. What's your take on the idea of Bond going rogue? Do you prefer it when it's a straight up, here's a mission that's been given to you by, um, you know, the double O program or Bond is saying, forget you guys and going off and do his own, doing his own thing. If you, if you total them all up at this point in the franchise, isn't it at least a third of them where he ends up going rogue? I, I tried to list them out, or at least the ones that I could think of or the ones that I could find. And I think definitely you could argue that he's gone, done a kind of like going rogue thing for the last five, five movies. Um, Spectre, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Bond going rogue. Well, but, but, that, but when you're rogue, but you're fighting with your boss in your family's ancestral home, are you still rogue? Because um, that's the thing. Like He goes rogue, but half the time M's like... You're going rogue, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> like, they've made it an art form now. <laughs> you, but you're talking about Skyfall, right? Right, yeah, sorry, I was jumping the gun there, but... Yeah, like... When they... Is it the part... When he's got M with him, um, and the rest of MI6 has basically said, look, we're, we're not helping you, and then it turns around that they're like, well, okay, well, you've got M with you, so... Yeah, I guess we'll help you. Um, that's kind of the part I'm thinking of. Is it not the entire movie, right? You just you, to a certain degree. I feel like so the ones that I had down were all of the Daniel Craig movies, um, in some way or another. I mean, I think Quantum of Solace um, is much more of a Bond going rogue story. Spectre, the whole thing, um, and then I feel like all the way back to was it Die Another Day was the last. Um, Pierce Brosnan movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bond is just going off and doing his own thing. And then from that one, you kind of skip on back to License to Kill. 
And then you have this whole movie is Bond basically saying, well, fine, then I quit and I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So is it, is it just part of his character now? Is it getting kind of old? I mean, would you want to go back and see just straight up Bond, here's a mission, go do it, report back when it's done? Well, I think that's what keeps, I think that's what keeps the Bond thing interesting and, and, and current and going for 50 years is they reworked it every so often. You know, when one of the actors or plot lines or, you know, the very thing that makes a Bond for that generation, when that gets a little bit stale, we put a new Bond in there and that actor brings their own little something-something to it. And, you know then they develop that and they, they explore that. And then that gets a little bit old into tooth. So, okay, well, let's get the next guy to play Bond. And then what, what direction are we going to take it? In? You know, I think that's just kind of the, just kind of the way of it, you know? Um, and I mean, I, I hate to, I don't want to get into um, putting too fine a point on the different ways of going rogue, but I mean, there's, you know, there's the absolute, like this one, just forget it, I'm going out on my own and you better help me out, or not, you better help me out, but, you know, he's jumping away and they're taking shots at him and everything like that. In Casino Royale, I don't know, I don't know how much he went rogue as opposed to he was just trying to learn how to do his job and M was trying to corral him into the right way of doing that job. I mean, which draws an interesting contact, contrast because in Goldeneye, it was kind of reversed. He was the old dinosaur of doing it the one way, and, it, and Judy Dench was the new M that was trying to get him to update his method. So I, I think it's it's just that's kind of what the, this Bond phenomenon is, that they can keep it current and keep it fresh. It's just Bond never ages. You never get the need for a, okay, we're going to hand it off to the next guy or his successor. It's just there's another actor that's playing Bond and it's in the time period that it's written, it's current. And, you know, if it's, if it, if they got good writing, it, it hits the chord and it's popular. And then when it gets old, well, we'll find someone else to play Bond. The actor's probably tired of playing Bond anyway. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think part of the, part of the leaning towards the, the going rogue has been the need, the want to tell a personal story. And if it's an assignment from King and Country, that's all well and good, but all of a sudden when it becomes personal, then the reality of it is you'd be benched if it was personal. So then you have to go rogue. And I think the, the way they handle that is different from with each Bond, but... I've always wanted to see the, um, and we've gotten some of that with Daniel Craig, a little more of the origin of the James Bond character. That's what I love so much about Skyfall. Yeah, that was cool. Like, that's one I can watch again and again because of that, because it's just so interesting, and I feel like I learned something new every time that I missed last time. The other thing I've always hypothesized is each one of these James Bonds That's their name when they are 007. Like, I'm James Bond for the 20 years I work for MI6 as 007. My real name is Michael Smith. So I've always wanted to see that story. Like, okay, so James Bond retires 
and we meet the new James Bond the day he's given his new cover identity for Universal Export, you know? That would be cool, mm-hmm. too. Like, all these guys were James Bond, but they all were also somebody else. And when you sign up to be in this program, you are James Bond. And that is part mm-hmm. of the anonymity of the service. Because oh. James Bond has such a better ring to it than Sinjin Smith. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's Sinjin Smythe to you, John. <laughs> but I am not the Dread cool Pirate. Like, exactly. See? I am not the Dread Pirate Roberts. The, the original <laughs> Dread Pirate Roberts, his name is so and so, and, you know, that's right. Right. Like, that would be another cool way to look at that character and just, you know. Um, and they can, the way they've written it, they could still do that someday. Um, but back to where John started with this, the whole going rogue thing, I think it has a lot to do with wanting to tell a personal story. And the more you entrench it in bureaucracy, the less personal it got. So another question, another kind of criticism, maybe a criticism of this movie, is that it got too dark and too violent. Um, so, I mean, this definitely is, it definitely is a, bit of a departure from the Roger Moore movies where it's a little bit campier, you know, it's, it's got the charm, it's got the camp. Um, but you did have living daylights before this one. And I feel like living daylights was a more serious bond movie. I, I always think of living daylights as being, they looked at the Roger Moore movies and they're like, Hmm, well that maybe went a little too far. Let's bring it back again. And I kind of put living daylights in the same realm as like a, when I first saw the Jason Bourne movies and I was like, wow, this would make an amazing James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And then they did Casino, then, then they did Casino Royale. And I was like, wow, that's a really good Jason Bourne, James Bond hybrid movie. Like that. I think they kind of hit it. Like that's, that's the action spy movie I've been looking for. Um, but I think that this one, it seems like from what I've been reading, it, surprised some people and it just was not they weren't ready for you know it's kind of like the at the end of uh back to the future maybe you guys just aren't ready for that yet (laughs) i think some of it had to do with the way people died too i think a lot of the roger moore death is a you could have written some of those scenes either way i punched this guy so hard and he fell 20 feet he might be dead he might be alive but we're never going to see him again, so it doesn't matter. I think in License to Kill, you saw dead, and you saw more blood, and I think that's why people felt it was more violent. The funny thing is, from a body count standpoint, it's pretty low in the pantheon of Bond movies. Um, According to the Guardian article from, I'm looking for a date here and I can't find it, looks like right around when Skyfall came out. Um, Like, License to Kill, Bond kills 10, other kills 13. For a total of 23 kills, that's not a particularly... I mean, that got crazy numbers on here. The Spy Who Loved Me, 147. You Only Live Twice, 196. Mm. I mean, there are real body counts here. I think the spy who loved me, he killed 147 people before the credits. Right. Like, this is what I mean. Like, 
I feel like, so I think it has less to do with deaths than it's the style of death. It's the blood. It's the, maybe they showed it. And I think some of that is cinema in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they would show then. So another thing I noticed about this one, too, and I was going to ask you guys what you thought of it and, and see if I'm maybe remembering this differently. Is this the first time that, um, because my, my wife is not a big fan of the James Bond movies, um, you know, partly for the way that he obviously uses and treats women, but... Money um, This is just not her, not, not her style of movie. Sure. Um, but one of the things I noticed in this movie... Is this the first time that a Bond girl ever shows any kind of jealousy towards another Bond girl? It might be. I thought about that, too, when I saw it. I was like, hmm. It's also one of the first few times they find out about each other, too. Well, there's that, yeah. Because usually by the time he moves on to the other one, the first one's dead. I mean, realistically. Because I feel like that when, when Q... And, and I thought about that, I'm like, that that seems... Very progressive for a, a 1989 James Bond movie. Well, but then Q goes and explains it. <laughs> right, that he has to have that conversation. He's like, well, you know, secret agency. Q starts mansplaining, for lack of a better term. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, yeah, you know um, the double O agents, they have to use everything at their disposal. <laughs> everything. And, of course, she has a great, she has a great response. <laughs> yes. That, that character... I was I I found that character interesting, and I was almost like you know I wish they would have just gone a little bit further and maybe they felt that their hands were tied with the time period, but I thought they were looking for like a strong female, um, character that that wasn't, like just you know oh rescue me James Bond that kind of thing, um, you know I I think they tried it with Halle Berry in Die Another Day. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the later Bond films, you know, in the in the Daniel Craig ones, you know, who becomes Miss Moneypenny. Um, you know, she's got a little bit of a some stuff in Skyfall, and and the, and the like. Um, you know, the, the the gal in Casino Royale that he you know kind of fell in love with, and when they were to pay him a little bit, but I I thought that this was going to be like. I thought it would have been cooler if they would have kind of gone a little further and made her ever bit the action star that, that he was. You know, if you've seen if you've seen any of the Mission Impossible movies, kind of what they're doing with the Rebecca Ferguson's character in the Mission Impossible movies, where, you know, mm-hmm. she's a rival as much as a... Well, I don't know if... You know, as much as like a love interest... In, in those movies. And that would have been kind of cool to see him go a little bit further. I, I found that character was kind of like, that was one of the weak points of the movie for me, is I, I just thought that character would have been, uh, it, it would have been cooler, well, I'm repeating myself, if they would have just gone a little bit further down the whole, like, you know, equal to James Bond type thing. Yeah, it kind of seemed like they were thinking of going that route and I, I think it could have been interesting to, you know, maybe have, if, if they had done other Timothy Dalton movies, to have her, you know, even continue on because she held her own mm-hmm. with James Bond in this movie. And you had, you know, Grace Jones, I think you'd, you'd probably list her as being, you know, not the 
not the you know damsel in distress type at all. True. Um, but you know she she didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking in the movie, so I don't really know that I could see you know developing her character a whole lot more. And then obviously she doesn't really come out of that movie alive. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed um, you know the character of uh, Pam Bouvier. Yeah, I mean it was a cool it was a cool cool add on to the movie for sure. I mean it would have been nice to see more. But yeah, that that right. one scene was definitely different for a Bond movie, where she gets jealous. And... And now I mentioned this earlier, but the one thing that even even though I was disappointed, um, or maybe just didn't enjoy the movie as much as I thought I had in the past, or, or as much I did in the past, um, the one thing that still really worked for me in this movie was the villain. I thought Robert Davi was a great villain yeah. in this movie. Um, he did everything that a Bond villain needs to do. I mean, short of, you know, holding a cat that he could just stroke right. at random times in the movie, he did everything a Bond villain should do. He oh, was yeah, ruthless, the, charming in a way. and The scenes with him and Bond together are, are before they, before it's overt that they know who each other is, like, that stuff is good. Yes. I mean, Bond always knows who he is, but you know what I mean. Like, before Sanchez, like acknowledges that he's James Bond. All that stuff is very good. All right. Well, I, if you, unless you guys have something else, do you want to jump on into our five questions? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. We'll jump on into five questions. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me for? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So our five questions this time around, uh, five questions is a part of our show where we have five maybe related, loosely related questions to the movie that we're talking about. Um, and so we kind of sometimes rapid fire, sometimes we are a little wordier than others, but um, we kind of run through these five questions and you feel free if you want to call in uh, and give your own answers to the five questions, we'd love for you to do that. You can call our voicemail line or you can send them uh, via tweet or email, however you want to do that. Um, but feel free to answer these on your own. We've had a few listeners do that in the past, so uh, we will happily read yours on the show, uh, maybe on our next episode if we get those. So here are our five questions for License to Kill, and we already kind of talked a little bit about this, so this one I guess can maybe just be a quick kind of final answer for us. Uh, first of the five questions, uh, James Bond, is he better as the gentleman spy or better when he goes rogue? What do you prefer? Uh, I... Uh... <laughs> I like the gentleman spy. I like James Bond is Pat's response. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like the gentleman spy, but I want him to be Daniel Craig gentleman spy. So okay. we don't get a lot of because he goes rogue so much. I think that would I think that would be my answer too, is I I really like the Daniel Craig take on it, but I would like to see him I'd like to see him get his mission and stay on mission, but they give him a very long leash. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the closest they came to that was Pierce Brosnan. Um, 
I think GoldenEye is a good example of the fine line between the Gentleman Spy and the Long Leash. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see Daniel Craig do that more. Because I, 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 I yeah, I don't know how else to say it. I, I want to see him as the Gentleman Spy. Pat, did you figure it out or you just... I think we might have broken it. I like, I like James Bond. <laughs> I like titles. Is that your final answer? That's going to be my final answer because I, I just, I... I think, oh, that's I fair, think man. You, hey, are, I'm... you know what? I think it's it's like, you know, here it is. I think just balanced. Just give us balance. Give us a little bit of each. And whether that's within the franchise with that actor where two films are one way and two of the other, or, hey, we've been going a lot of this direction. Let's go a little bit this direction. Now let's get someone new and go the next direction. I, I just, as long as it's a balanced thing, then I'm good. All right. Uh, number two, and I listed a few on here when I, when I shared the questions with you guys, but if you have other ones that I've forgotten, feel free to put your own in here. Um, number two, worst way to die from license to kill. So I put in death by shark, death by compression chamber, or death by cocaine shredder. Which would be the worst way to die? Shark for me, man. You're going to be sitting there feeling it while you're getting chewed up. Yeah, I the decompression chamber. Because I think you yeah. feel that right up to the last second and the, the anticipation because you know what they're about to do to you. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Grizzly way to die. I think I got to go shark because I think those others are a little quicker. Mm. I think I think shark takes a while. And I'm not a very good swimmer anyway. So There you go. It'd be a combination combination of things I don't like. So I think I got to go shark. All right, uh, number three, James Bond, Jason Bourne, or Ethan Hunt? Who's the better secret agent? Well. Another question that's going to break everybody. I think Jason Bourne is the bigger badass secret agent. Um, But I think James Bond is the better all-around spy. Jason Bourne's a little too much of a blunt instrument. A true, the true best spy has to be able to be both. And I think that's always been the hallmark of James Bond. He's as good at intelligence gathering as he is at being the blunt instrument. Um, Ethan Hunt's just too flashy. Oh, okay, I was going <laughs> to say even compared with Ethan Hunt. No, because I... Ethan, Ethan Hunt does that well too. I just think he's too flashy and talk about going rogue every five minutes. So Pat, I, I, I kind of figured this was going to be a, a difficult one for you. but It is because I am, I am like a dyed-in-the-wool Bond fan. You know, my dad really, really likes the Jason Bourne movies, but I, I'm died in the wool bond. Um, that being said, I just have this terrible man crush on Tom Cruise and like the Ethan Hunt character in the movie. I really dig the Mission Impossible movies. So if, you know, if, if, if with the last, what they've been doing in these last couple Mission Impossible movies, I just can't get enough of that. But I mean, yeah, I still haven't I seen had, the newest one. I need to do that. I it's just more more awesomeness, you know. I mean, it really, I, well, for me, you know, it, it really fires on all cylinders. That being said, I can't get enough of Bond either. So my thing would be like, dude, do I really have to choose? There's plenty of room in my heart to love all these movies. So, uh, <laughs> but but I am but I am admittedly so you know a dyed in the wool Bond guy. Yeah, yeah. I think my and as much as I love. All of these film series, like the the Bourne movies, the I, I think of you know I listed him in here as a secret agent, and I I guess I think of Jason Bourne maybe as a little bit more of as an assassin, which right yeah. Right. So then for me then it comes down to James Bond or Ethan Hunt, 
And in terms of better secret agent, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's actually kind of a tough one for me. And, and as much as I am a huge, and I'm, I'm probably a better, a, a bigger Bond fan than I am a Mission Impossible fan. So just because of that, I might have to lean a little bit more towards uh, James Bond, but I don't know. I, I think that might be my answer. I think Bond might be my answer, but it's a very close race between him and Ethan Hunt. When in the Mission Impossible movies, when Ethan Hunt is doing the secret agent stuff, um, you know, I think that it's pretty neck and neck between the two of them. All yeah. right. Well, number four, uh, favorite death by shark scene in any James Bond movie. Ooh. And I'm going to, I already know mine, so I'll give you some time to think if you need it. Uh, mine is any time that they drop the floor out of the elevator in the spy who loved me. Mm. Yeah. That is good. And I love that scene, especially when, uh, when he, he does that and he thinks he's got Roger Moore, um, you know, he's got him drop through there and all of a sudden the elevator opens and the camera pans down and he's just got each of his feet on either side of the wall of the elevator. Yes. And I think he says something like, uh, just thought I'd drop in or whatever. Yeah. So that'll be mine. Yeah. That one's a pretty good one. That one's a pretty good one. This one, uh, this one's a little bit, this movie has a little bit more gory death by sharkage in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Is this it, is the spy who loved me? Is that the one where it's got the guy that has the underwater fortress? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where Bond is like looking in his fish tank, and all of a sudden he does that classic Roger Moore kind of like double take, and there's the arm laying on the ground in the in the aquarium. I think so. I yeah. love that scene. That's classic. What was the villain's name? Was it Stromberg? Y- yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. That was the was that the first movie with Jaws? I think so. Yeah, I that is probably if I had to if I had to list a favorite James Bond movie, that's the one I watched the most as a kid. Yeah. So it might be that oh. one. Like even even more so than the Daniel Craig movies. Isn't that uh, the Spy one? Who loved... Isn't that the one with the lotus that transforms into the submarine? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Come on, submarine car. <laughs> that just wins, doesn't it? Mhm. Yeah, I, that may be my favorite James Bond movie. Well, of all of them. you can you can cheer for the, the submarine car because that thing is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Shark it's all deaths. Cool. Yeah, probably this one for me because I'd honestly forgotten about the other one. But that's tough. The sharks do figure it, and I thought there was another one that there isn't. The shark doesn't actually get him in that. I think the shark still gets to eat the guy. Because I think he falls into the water, but that's not what kills him. When he gets shot with the uh, the gun, the the um, harpoon, and exp- and kind of blows up because it's pumping air. Yeah. Him. I don't think the shark actually kills him in that though. Isn't that uh, live and let die? Yeah, there is a shark, but not like the actual death. So I think I have to take that one off the table. And I think in uh, Thunderball. I think there was a shark death in that one too. I think yeah. that um, James Bond like falls into a shark tank or something like that, and like a, a a villain falls in with him, and he somehow manages to get the shark to eat the eat the bad guy so he can get away. Yeah, right. that rings a bell. But this one, where I mean, you're just hanging the guy over the shark tank. That's kind of cold. Right. It's a little little gruesome. Yeah, I'll bet. Not quite as gruesome as dropping out of the dropping through the floor, though. That definitely wins as the best one. I mean, that's good. Disagreed with something that ate him. <laughs> that was a good line. Yes. 
All right. So here's the question that I, we may have talked. I think we've talked about this before in our other James Bond episode that we did, or, or a couple of episodes that we did. Um, probably when we did Spectre, I would imagine we talked about this because at the time they were talking about Spectre being Daniel Craig's last James Bond movie. Well, now he's going to be in another one. Uh, he'll be in the next one, but I think he's done after that. So here is my last of our five questions. Who would you pick to play the next James Bond? Hmm. I was really excited when there were rumors about Idris Elba a few years ago. Um, I thought he would have been really good. I, uh, here's my... <laughs> okay. All right. So here's my thing on picking an actor. It, whoever they do, like I could sit here and pick someone that I think would be right. But you know what? They're going to find someone and they're going to see that magic something-something that's going to fit with however they write the story. So as long as the character matches in with what they're trying to do with the story, then I think you're in good shape. You know, like Daniel Craig, everyone was all up in arms. Oh, my God, he's blonde. Oh, my, that's it, James Bond. This is the end. That's it. No more James Bond. This is it. We're done. Good night. Well, they kind of got that one wrong now, didn't they? I mean, it's so it's it's kind of like, you know, I'll see some of these guys and I'll think, well, that doesn't look like James Bond, really. Well, that's true because the guy's got like a modern haircut, facial hair, and is wearing a, you know, whatever he wore to the Golden Globe Awards. Okay, well, of course I can't imagine him as Bond. I got to give it more time and see what it's like when he's in character, you know. So that that kind of makes it that kind of makes it hard. But I think all the names that are floating around are definitely, you know, worth thinking about. I think Richard Madden would be great. I know they've been kicking his name around a lot. Um, he plays Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's he's on my he's on my short list. Tom Hiddleston, when they were kicking his name around, I thought that was kind of fun. I'm not sure they would actually do it, but I think Tom Hiddleston could bring you back to that gentleman spy in his own way. Um, mm-hmm. The amu- the one that always has amused me is the people that talk about Henry Cavill. He okay, so you're you're basically listing my entire list. <laughs> yeah, he's on my list too. Um, it, it's just one that you hear once in a while, um, and I, I don't think he's he wouldn't be bad at it. I just don't think uh, he would be a a front runner in that. I think the other ones have a better chance. I think Idris Elba, unfortunately, since those rumors first came out, I think he's maybe aged out of that role. Um. He, I, I did look it up. Wise, he would be about, he'd be about fifty by the time they started filming for the next one. Yeah, um, yeah. it would be an interesting choice. So then you start to, you know, you start to kind of pass him by now. Well, I mean, they were originally talking about him. I want to say it was seven, eight years ago when his name first right. came up. Um, and I think he would have been fantastic, but I think he's just aged out of the what Bond is lately. Although, you know, Roger Moore played an old Bond and did it just fine. So, you know. Then there's always the talk about the females. Um, and nothing against that as a concept. I just don't know where it goes. I don't know if that changes it. I don't know. I don't know. I think you could... I think you could... The question is... Is there a reason to, or if you're going to do it, why not just do a female spy movie? Like, why? I feel like it's just shoehorning something in. Just do a good spy movie. Right. I, I agree with you. Or, or do, and I'll say it again, do what you're doing with Rebecca Ferguson's character in Mission Impossible. 
where sure you know you're ad- you're adding something in but it's equal billing it's not like a co-star or someone to be killed off or whatever it's you know i think i said not an equal co-star it's not like a, a, a co-star that's uh you know just kept in the background or a sidekick it's it's someone that's got equal billing you know i i think i think that's part of where it is with you know when you've got a character that's been this established okay james bond could be a woman but you know, ever since they wrote the first book in the 50s, he hasn't been. So if you want to change his world, if you want to make it, you know, sure, go right ahead. But otherwise, just make a female spy movie. And now I know I'm jumping back to, you know, we were talking about the Ghostbusters thing at the new movie news last week. But that's kind of where the new Ghostbusters didn't bother me as much because it wasn't like they were saying, okay, well, Peter Venkman is now a female. Egon Spengler is now, it was like they had all new names of people, new characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the concept of, you know, changing out a team is because I was talking about this with Tammy and I'm like, well, what is your take on? And she says, I don't know, like changing a team is one thing, but when you're changing a specific character, then that, that seems to be kind of like a different thing. I mean, would you make Wonder Woman a, a guy? And my daughter looks up yeah, and goes, no, because Wonder Woman's a girl. Do you, you know what I'm saying? It's like the mm-hmm. character's established. Well, they made a great spy movie uh, with a female lead. It was called Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. She's another one whose name's been kicked around because of that movie. Well, that when I saw that movie, I was like, okay, this, if anybody, you know, if I don't care. If they, if they want to make James Bond, you know, a different nation or not different nationality, but you know, different race or different gender or whatever. I don't care. I mean, if it's a good movie, I'm going to go see a good movie. Um, to me, it really doesn't, especially if you take the idea that the James Bond code name is really just something that's attached to the whole 007, you know, license to kill type thing, then anybody could be this character. I don't have a problem with it whatever route they would decide to go. But I remember watching, going and watching Atomic Blonde. That was one I actually saw in the theater. And I'm watching that movie and I'm going, you know what? Everything that I'm really enjoying about this movie is what I really enjoyed about Casino Royale. When I saw Daniel Craig come in and be this kind of gritty, realistic, you know, the the campiness is gone from James Bond kind of stuff. When I'm watching Atomic Blonde, I'm like, okay, this, you could have just called this a James Bond movie and I would have been totally fine with it. Right. And I guarantee you that in that movie, Charlize Theron can hold her own with any Daniel Craig, anybody else that, that would want to go up against her. Oh, sure. And, and, I, and I, I agree, but I, I start to fall into the camp of, how is that going to advance the story? Because we've just spent the last five Bond movies establishing, okay, the gritty, more realistic Bond and so forth. Now are you going to make the next one in line do that, that same thing, but now it's just going to be a girl? Like, like what's, what's this, what would the story be that that would add to? If, like, that would be my only stumbling block. And I'm not saying they can't do it, but how would that advance right. but, I mean, the aren't James you... Bond character? 
Right, but aren't you going to have to say that for any James Bond movie? You, like if they've they've done this for the for the last five, four or five movies, whatever, and now this actor is no longer James Bond anymore, you're going to have to do that no matter who it is, whether it's a guy, a girl, whether they're white, black, whatever it might be. You're going to have to establish that new. Okay, how does this move the story forward, regardless of who it is, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Yeah, no, I, I I say all that to say I it really doesn't matter to me as long as it's as long as it keeps to the things that I like about a classic James Bond movie and does more of what the James Bond movies have been doing. Now, I, I wasn't a big fan of Spectre. Also, wasn't a big fan of of Quantum of Solace. <laughs> wasn't that the one with the ice hotel though? The ice hotel was cool. Was, did that one have the ice hotel? Or I was... It was Quantum of Solace, but maybe not. I thought that was um, Tomorrow Never Dies. No, oh, maybe. Yes. No, Wait, wasn't that the, the one ice with hotel Halle Berry? Was Daniel Craig for sure. That much I can tell you. Hmm. It's about all I can okay. tell you. Maybe. You know what? I fell asleep halfway through Quantum of Solace, so I never finished it. So that maybe if it's there. from like the I'm gonna look it up now, second but I'm half of the movie on. Okay. Because there was in, um, I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, the one with Halle Berry and Pierce Brosnan. There was an ice hotel in that one, too. Oh, see? You win and I lose. Okay. Was it that one? Yeah, it was Die Another Day. Oh, Die Another Day. Okay. Why did I think it was Tomorrow Never Dies? Well, because the titles are almost the same. <laughs> You're, either you're dying today or tomorrow. You're going to die. Right. Point, I mean, so. they kind of need to come up with some better titles. But either way, it's dying another day, and it is James Bond. And there you go. Uh, the one that I do like, because when I was trying to think of ideas for who could be James Bond, I, I did a little digging around on the internet, and I did like there was a newer James Bond uh, story that was written by the author Anthony Horowitz. Um, he was commissioned by the the Ian Fleming estate to write a new story, hmm. and I did like the title of that one. It was called Trigger Mortis. Oh, nice. So my, I, I did a, a little list of three people that I thought would make good James Bonds if they were to, uh, if they were looking for somebody else and they came and knocked on my door and said, "Hey, John, what do you think? Who should be James Bond?" Uh, mine were, and, and uh, Bo, you already mentioned a few of them. Uh, Richard Madden, I thought he'd be really good at it. He's also young enough that if they want him to stick around for several movies, then he yeah, they kind of, they kind of got to look young now if they want to keep someone around for a while. Uh, Henry Cavill, you know, his schedule has freed up now that apparently he's not Superman anymore. Um, so, you know, I think he'd be pretty good at it. And then the other one that I put down that I thought would be a good choice. And then I found out, I actually kind of came across his name because he has already played James Bond was, um, David Oyelowo. He was in, um, was he in Selma? Mm -hmm. Uh, what else was he in? I'm trying to think of what he's been recently. He was in the, that new miniseries of Les Miserables that was on, um, uh, is it on PBS? But he's been in a lot, lot of different stuff lately. He was in Interstellar. Um, yep. I'm just looking at some of his stuff. Lee Daniels, The Butler. Mm -hmm. uh, Lincoln, he was in that one. He was in a British, I think it was a British series called MI5. Yep. Uh, TV yeah. series back Which in the early really 2000s. Which was really good, and I have never gone back and finished, but it was on BBC America or one of those channels for a little while yeah. and I saw enough of it where I was like, God, I have to go back and rewatch from the beginning. And I can't remember if it's on Netflix or Hulu, but it is available somewhere and it's good. I remember watching a couple of those and I remember liking them, but same thing. I never went back and finished it. So, so he's already been in a couple of different things that could lean towards, you know, spy 
spy movie kind of things. Um, and he just did, uh, I, I mentioned the Trigger Mortis one because what I found was he actually is the first black James Bond uh, because he did the audiobook. Oh, right on. Played the voice of James Bond nice. in the narration of the audiobook. So he's already beat Idris Elba into being the first black James Bond. So but, there you go. It's um, done. You know who... So those would be mine. I, I'm sorry I jumped in, but as you were talking, you know a name that just popped to mind that I think would be really interesting to see would be Don Cheadle as James Bond. You know, I thought about him too for a long time. He it, sort of went into just, the Idris Elba category for me, though. Eight years ago, it would have been a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he might still, Idris Elba too, they might both still be able to pull it off. I just feel yeah. like they might have both aged out of the character a little bit. Yeah. At this you point know, in it, their careers. Right. You know, and, and I guess what I was, I'm, I'm jumping back a point, but I guess when when we were talking about, you know, which direction you go if, if you would change the, the gender of a character, I guess I almost w- would think of it sort of like the Oceans movies. You know what I'm saying? Like you had Oceans... 11 12 and yeah. 13 and then they then they did oceans 8 and they didn't change the danny ocean character they just kept it in the same they kept it in say they just made it his sister you know what i'm saying i mean it was like but i don't know there were still people that seemed to have a a, a thing against that because well well they're they're just trying to do the same old danny you know oceans movies but they're just trying to make it with girls well, no, right, they're but just, those movies are classics. Those are it's a heist movie. It's great, right? But 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 I you mean, see that for, but that to me, it's kind of like you're not drastically changing. You're expanding the world, and yeah, I mean, again, I'm not the guy to say, well, girls just can't do it. Not at not in the least am I saying that. It's just that you're expanding the world to include that, as opposed to right. You know, in fact, I was when Tammy and I were talking about, like we were mentioning the Ghostbusters thing last week. What happens if they had taken the new cast of Ghostbusters and had written it in, like had had made Ghostbusters three and then featured all those gals as the new Ghostbusters within the Ghostbusters three world? What happens if one of them was Peter Venkman's niece? What happens if one of them was, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I I just think. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we should kowtow to the people that just say, oh, well, girls can't be, in, you know, like, and all that gross stuff that gets written on the internet. Like, I, I, that, it turns my stomach. I'm not saying we should kowtow to that, but sometimes I think that, you know, you get a, you get something that's beloved franchise or whatever. Sometimes it's, it's not a male female thing. Sometimes you just have to pay homage to what was there. Think of the Star Trek stuff. I mean, they redid Star Trek with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But they had to put the little thing in there of it was a skewed timeline so that the trackies weren't up in arms. You know what I'm saying? It was like oh, that's yeah. what I, mean, I think made. I think that they, made it acceptable they because did themselves, we, we we could see that all as a skewed timeline. Right. They did themselves no favors, I think, by calling that movie Ocean's Eight. They could have called it anything Eight and made it a heist movie, and it would have been great. I think by setting right. it up to be in that same quote-unquote universe by using the ocean name, it brought more criticism. They were hoping it would bring more of an audience, and maybe it did. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was a heist movie, and those were fun, and anyone who loved those heist movies is going to love another heist movie. 
Like any movie with the well, big long montage in the back, you know, in that middle middle to back two thirds that has the, this is where we're going to explain to you the heist we're pulling off as we're pulling it off. That is a genre right there. That is a right. type of movie and it's just fun. I think they hurt themselves right. by pushing the ocean stuff a little bit. Right. On the flip side, Ghostbusters was hated from the off, and all that was was a team of yes. people fighting goat. Do, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, it's right. And 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 we can't put rationality with the trolls and the and the gross and the yuck that's out there. But still, in all, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just it's it's interesting how that all goes. But yeah, Bond is just an exciting thing. You know, fifty years and still going. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our License to Kill episode. So the next time I, I meant to go. License to Kill has been revoked, John. It's that's, just been revoked. That's a shame. I, sometimes I, I want to just, I want to use that phrase a lot. I don't think I mentioned that last week when we did the, the Lethal Weapon. I'm like, that. that is a phrase that I, I want to use more often. What? I'm too old for this stuff? No, I mean I use that one all the time now too. Oh, but okay. no, like when 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 John you know says something like, "But you told me I could play video games if I did." It's just been revoked. <laughs> you try that. Let me know how it goes. I thought we were gonna do that. It's just been revoked. <laughs> I, just, I just I really I want to use that for everything now. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for License to Kill. Um, I was gonna look up really fast and see uh, when our next James Bond movie is. Um, because it is, oh, you, you were right. It's a little bit earlier in the nineties. It's 95. But yeah, I mean, it's, there's a good chunk of time. Yeah. So, so we, Pat waited three and a half years for Batman. I I guess if you're really excited about Goldeneye, you're going to have to wait about six years. Which is too bad because it's an excellent film. It is an excellent film. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll still be going maybe by the, if, if 2025 rolls around, we will definitely cover Goldeneye if we're still here. God willing. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to find out more about the show, you can go to 30podcast.com. That's got all the different places that you can find us and different ways you can listen to the show. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We are 30 Podcast on all of those. Uh, if you're using the Letterboxd app or website, we are also 30 Podcast on there as well. That's a great way to find. We've got like a whole visual uh, map of the different movies that we've done over the last several years. And you can uh, click on each of those and find... Um, you know, our rating for the movie and just easily see visually like all the movies that we've covered in these 220 ish, uh, episodes that we've had up to this point. And, uh, if you want to call into the show, we do have a voicemail line. It's on our website, but it's also 872-356-6843. If you'd like to call in, leave us a message we'll feature it on one of our future episodes. Um, next time. So this is kind of the ending of our, I think that was a pretty strong start uh, to our uh, 1989 year. This is the end of our January movies. Uh, we had Batman, we had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, we had Lethal Weapon 2 and License to Kill. So I'd say that's a pretty good start to the year. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Absolutely. And the next month we move on into our sports movies. So we've got Major League, Field of Dreams, The Wizard, and The Blood of Heroes. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up in our uh, sports movies. And I, some of those... I, maybe if you're a proponent of the esports, you'll count The Wizard as a, a sports movie, but I had to find a way to fit it in somewhere. 
Hey, I loved that movie as a kid, so it was definitely one that we were going to be talking about this year. So The other one that I'm going to be curious to see, because it's one of those movies that I, I like the actor that's in it, but I know nothing about uh, the movie itself, is The Blood of Heroes. Yeah, I know nothing about it. All right. And sometimes those are the ones that I look forward to the most. I'm like, I've not even barely heard of this movie, and I don't think anybody else, any of the other guys have either. Let's throw that one in there and we'll just see what happens. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that one. I The only thing I know about it is it's, it's got a little bit of a, like a Mad Max kind of vibe to it. Um, it's a, it's supposed to be, well, here, I'll just, I'll read you the, uh, the little blurb on uh, IMDb for it. A Mad Max-esque post-apocalyptic world provides the backdrop for a brutal futuristic game resembling football. Rutger Hauer plays a disgraced former star leading a ragtag group of juggers to one of the remaining nine cities for glory and redemption. So, post-apocalyptic football with Rutger Hauer. How could we go wrong? Gotta try it. Uh, and so that will be our month of sports movies. I know uh, coming up, uh, we're, we're going to be recording our first couple coming up really soon, and that's going to be our uh, just huge baseball extravaganza for the next couple of weeks with uh, Major League and Field of Dreams. So looking forward to, to those. Um, but if you have any feedback at all on any of those movies or just want to share your thoughts, feel free to get a hold of us. Email, website, Twitter, uh, any of those places. Call the voicemail line. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but until then, Pat, Bo, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, so we will see you all back here next week for Major League and then Field of Dreams after that. In the meantime, be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. 